It's been way too long, and I really miss you. Love you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese. Followed by hey guys, welcome to Top Fives and Deep Dives. This is Justin. I'm over here in LA. We've got Mike across the pond in London. Hello, my friend. Yo, yo. What's going on? You know, not not much, man. I feel like we had a, well, I don't know about you, but I had an adventurous week. You know, the films we were watching are all pretty fun. You sly fox, you. Adventurous. You know, I'd say the same. I had the same type of week. Our topic this week, without further ado, top five treasure hunt movies which I think it's somewhat self-explanatory, but, you know, they are adventure films that typically follow our protagonists uh, searching for a hidden treasure of some sort. Does that sound about right, Mike? Yeah. I think the way that I think about this topic is that basically all of these films are pulling from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, I'd say that's about right. That's sort of the North Star that you're looking to. Exactly, yeah. Many of them, you know, intentional or trying to act like unintentional ripoffs of that film. 100%. Which, as we already know, I think that film was absolute garbage. So I'm excited <laughs> to talk about five other films that did it better. Oh my god, it is just one of a kind. I am here to defend Raiders of the Lost Ark. Absolute classic. That opening scene? One of the better opening scenes in film. Come on. It's all downhill from there. <laughs> Fantastic. Well... Speaking of adventurers, there's an actor we know that seems to like those types of films, and uh, he's in a new one that just came out, and so that's going to be our spotlight this week, and that actor is Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, and that film is Red Notice, the Netflix movie that just came out, smashed a bunch of uh, streaming records, and stars The Rock, it stars uh, Ryan Reynolds, and it's got Gal Gadot. Mike, what'd you think about this one? Um, okay. I, I have a little bit of trouble with movies like this, whose like greatest ambition is to be three stars. And I, I don't know, I guess it did, you know, like it, it's kind of a heist film. It kind of has like this treasure hunt type aspect to it. You know, the rock plays the rock. Ryan Reynolds plays Ryan Reynolds. Gal Gadot isn't terrible actually for what it's worth. And then it's just sort of like, this is the type of movie that Netflix kind of puts out, you know? This is what made The Rock highest paid actor again last year. And it's just, it, it's fine. I, I don't know how harshly you can really grade this movie. I think it's fine. Yeah, I'm about the same as you. I just like, again, what you said could not be more perfect about these movies that just aspire to be three-star movies. And it's just, it kills me. Because, yeah, Netflix and you know is going on about, oh, we smashed all these records. And it's like, but you're you're putting out the lowest common denominator. <laughs> yeah. Of film, like, yeah. and this is like, it honestly pains me because I love the three leads. I love like, uh, although you probably all think I'm like starting to hate on Dwayne Johnson between this and Hobbs and Shaw, but it's like I am getting a little bit fed up with the fact that he just makes generic movies because I love the guy so much, and you know he seems like a good dude, and 
I mean, I liked him when he was a wrestler. I liked especially his earlier film career. But like he just goes to make these fucking big budget (laughs) PG-13 action comedies where he just plays a one note character every single time. And it's like Ryan Reynolds, who I also and I know Mike does too, love. I love that man. He just is Ryan, not to, I mean, he usually is Ryan, plays the same character as well in films, but it was just so blatant that it was like, The Rock's going to be The Rock, Ryan Reynolds is going to be Ryan Reynolds, and we're going to make up an action plot, and we're going to make it, you know, we're going to put a bunch of money into it, so stuff blows up, and there's some crazy scenes, but it's going to be as generic as possible. And it's like, that. that's what you get. And, and, And it's not awful but it's just nothing that i'm ever gonna remember five minutes after i finish watching it nope and and it hit two of the three things that all movies do now which is that it was way way too digital where it didn't need to be oh yes it dialed up the next one in the franchise before the film ended (laughs) the the third thing it didn't do was that it wasn't overly long thank god it wasn't two and a half hours long because it could have been but yeah it was just like every other film which is to say it's not bad. I don't know if you like those people, if look, you like this type of movie. Like, it's it's fine. It is exactly what it tried to be. So, look, I got to say, like, I – it is. But, like, and if you're just doing nothing, I guess it's worth watching. But I actually had a really good talk with a uh, dear friend of the pod. Hopefully, he'll be back on soon if, if you're listening to this, buddy. Dr. Action, a.k.a. Ian Fisher, who, as we know, he's he's the doctor of action. So – he he like hits me up and he's like, God, Red Notice is so bad. He's like, I, I just put it on to have something on. I can't stop hate watching it, but it's it's literally making me hate action movies. He's like he, he literally says pretty much what we have said. He goes, he goes, the script is like you fed every modern action movie into a computer and an AI spit out a combination of all of them. Yes, correct. It's like exactly correct. what it is. And as you said, that's that's enough to break streaming records. You know, that's where we are. It's a sad world we live in. Um, anyways, if you got nothing better to do, I guess spend two hours watching Red Notice. And, and you know, funny enough, like sort of ties into like a bit of a treasure hunt movie. A little bit. It's a cool combo, like the the heist slash treasure hunt. I like that yeah. idea. I like both those types of films. So it's enough. It's enough for me, I guess. I guess there are, we'll, we'll, we'll give it to them. We'll, we'll allow it. We'll allow it. But without further ado, let's get into, let's get into the real, the real topic here. Treasure hunt movies. It's a fun topic. I mean, these are fun movies. I think most people enjoy these types of films. And it was lovely to to revisit some. And Mike, right before we just started, he said, you know, he went down a bit of a, a bit of a path here. So I think we can expect some great Mike picks. And these these films are just a fun, fun time. So let's get into it. Let's 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 kick it off. Mike, start us off at number five today. Okay. My number five. And I will say for the first time tonight, but not for the last time tonight, my number five is an, an unknown Rotten Tomatoes score. Does not have enough ratings to have oh a rating my God. on Rotten Tomatoes. You nut job. But, but also this film did $30 million at the box office, so I have no idea like why it's not more popular. It's a, it's a little bit of a bizarre thing. And and we could I think we might have a little bit of debate about how much this counts, but it's it's very clearly a Raiders of the Lost Ark ripoff, so I'm definitely included in it, but it might be a good discussion. Uh so without further ado, my number five is nineteen eighty three's 
High Road to China. Whoa. Okay. AKA Raiders of the End of the World. <laughs> Honestly, High Road to China is better and it makes it seem like less of a ripoff, but anyway. Oh my god. Um so the only reason that I think we may debate whether or not it counts is because the treasure in this one is someone's father. It's not a physical object. Oh, interesting. But the the Indiana Jones character is Tom Selleck uh, in his first major film role at the time. Are you kidding? I love me some Tom Selleck. Oh, he's so good at this, bro. And uh, the the female lead is Bess Armstrong, who I don't know. She's, she's Jaws three D is maybe her, her biggest role, but she was uh, she did okay. a few episodes of that show Bosch that I know you like. Oh yeah, wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Bosch. And Cassandra Gava, who plays the witch from Conan the Barbarian, is also in this. But anyway, very nice. Yeah, this did thirty million at the box office, so it's weird that it's just kind of like slipped into obscurity. But but anyway, I. Yeah, the the two of them, you know, Tom Selleck is this, you know, rough and tumble type guy, and they go on this adventure, um, mostly in planes, to to try to find uh, this woman's father, who's played by Wilford Brimley. And I just think this is kind of a hidden gem. Like, it's it's really exciting. It has that great sense of adventure. It's you know, it doesn't have the same same level of say action as as an Indiana Jones. Um, but but what they do is sort of convincing, even though it has to be kind of economical. Both leads are super endearing. Tom Selleck is fucking great. Um, you know, it has those dashes of humor thrown in, enough kind of serious moments to sort of keep that sense of danger. Like they land in, I don't know, maybe it's Afghanistan or somewhere like that where it's like our, our female leads basically not allowed to talk because like, that's just sort of how their culture would be. So it, it gets like very intense at times. Um, and I just think it's kept in, in great balance. It's, it's just like a really well-made film for what they were given. And yeah, like no one's seen this. It was a new watch for me, but I was, I was impressed. I like it a lot. Wow. Okay. I'm very intrigued. I just wrote it down. I can't, I've never heard of this one. It is it is fun. And like you said, I mean it's Tom Selleck. It's this is during during his Magnum PI days. There's a rumor. Even Wikipedia says it's a rumor, so that's how you know that someone probably just made it up. Um, <laughs> but that uh Tom Selleck did it, it was sort of given to him um because he wasn't able to to do Raiders of the Lost Ark because he was working at Magnum PI. So I don't know if any of that is true, but it's it's a good enough story for me. Okay. I'll take it. I'll take that story. I wrote to China, nineteen eighty three. Lovely number five. Great way to kick us off. I'm also going to kick us off with, I'd say it for my list, at least the least known film on my list. Okay, great. And that is, that is going to be 2016's The Lost City of Z. Oh, yeah. I have not seen this. Is this like a Netflix movie? No, it it came out in theaters. Oh. It is uh, directed and written by James Gray, who also put out uh, Ad Astra a couple years ago, the Brad Pitt like space film. Oh, right. Um, and, and did quite a few other films, but that was just his most recent. But this, this stars Charlie Hunnam and Robert Pattinson. Uh, also has Sienna Miller and Tom Holland in there. Great little cast for sort of an, a more indie uh, film. And... And by the way, Mike, what I think you're thinking of is Amazon Studios was one of the uh, people behind it. But yeah, Charlie Hunnam plays like the absolute lead and it takes place in 1905. Pretty much the film is about 
Charlie Hunnam's character, Percy Fawcett, uh, he's this like British explorer. In Brazil, he makes like a, several attempts to find this lost city in the Amazon. And Robert Pattinson, he plays Henry Costin, who's like sort of his right-hand man, like fellow explorer. Uh, and the movie is just so interestingly done. When you think of all these adventure films, at least the way that I think of them, when I think of like an Indiana Jones type adventure film, you think relatively big budget, you think pretty mainstream. And this is just like the opposite of all of that. It's a smaller story. It feels a lot more grounded in reality. It's like a bit of an indie, but it's this period piece. And all the actors just do an incredible job. Like, again, Robert Pattinson, I think he shines in these smaller films and just really shows off his acting chops. And he is just incredible in this. And just to get sort of this 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 period piece and this time of, of life when these parts of the world were still completely undiscovered and to see the lengths that this character goes to to try and find this lost city and sort of the trials and tribulations and the effect it has on his family. It's, it's really interesting. It was, it was a $30 million budget, which of course is not nothing, but for a movie that's talking about sort of traveling between these exotic destinations or foreign destinations between, you know, Britain and then South America and being in the jungle, it's, it's really not that much. Like Mike, would you agree with me? Yeah. Yeah. Especially now. It's like, a pretty, I'd say, like, slow-paced film. You don't feel the thrill and adventure as much as probably a lot of these types of movies, but it's it's a very satisfying film. You feel like you've gone on a journey by the end of it. You've gone on this journey with Percy, and it's a really worthwhile watch, I think, in a in a landscape where current movies don't tend to take too many risks or we don't get a lot of so-called passion projects. I think it's really refreshing to get something like this that takes on a genre that typically only does, you know, hundred, two hundred dollar million, you know, two hundred million dollar films and we get a smaller story and it comes out really well. So I think you should absolutely check this out if you haven't seen it yet. I mean I'm in Robert Pattinson, Charlie Hunnam. I, I now that I'm looking at it, I do kind of know what this is, but yeah, I've never seen it. So I'm absolutely in. Yeah, it's it's a really me and a good friend that hasn't been on the pod yet, one of my best buds, Andrew Masters, shout out to him. He and I saw this together in theaters and both were were very pleasantly surprised. We walked out like, whoa, that was great. All right. Love that. Love that. Um based based on your intro, I'm a little concerned that you may have my number four somewhere on your list. And, and frankly, if you do, I imagine it would be about here. But okay. uh, maybe it's maybe it's the same one. I want to talk about our friend Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Wow. I have it higher. <laughs> well, it could be there I think there's multiple things that it could be. Ooh. So we're talking about his early career. That's gonna be the case no matter what. Oh no. If I already gave something away and it wasn't the movie. Ooh, wait. I'm going to 2003. So am I. Are we talking about the rundown? Oh, yeah, we are, baby. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, so it's yes. not, the Mummy Returns would be another option here, but that's 2001 be. for what it's it worth. Would be. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, 2003, the rundown is my number four, confirming you have it higher. 
and I will cede the floor to you. Thank you, my, my friend. I can't wait to talk about it soon. Well, at number four, I've got a bit of a classic and not a bit of one. It is one. That would be 1985's The Goonies. Okay. Obviously, most people know what this is. Written by my dear friend, Chris Columbus. Yep. Just talked about him on the last app. We did indeed. And with, with a story by the one and only Steven Spielberg, directed by Richard Donner. And this one, you know, it stars Sean Astin, Josh Brolin, Corey Feldman. If you don't know what The Goonies is, you got this group of kids. They live in this this certain neighborhood, the, the Goondocks in Oregon, and they are attempting to like their like their homes are going to get foreclosed and stuff. And so like, obviously, they don't want that to happen. And they discover this old treasure map and they think that they're going to go find the long lost uh, fortune of one eyed Willie, who's this like legendary pirate from the past. And it gets intertwined with like this family of criminals. And it's just a truly good old fashioned adventure film. Think if you're more into current stuff, think like the original type of Stranger Things movie where you have this group of kids that get themselves into some trouble. And it's a lot of fun. And it's just I mean, look, this is one of those movies some people, it's like their favorite movie ever. It's not my favorite movie ever, but I fucking love it. I throw it on. It's just such a great time. It just feels like it's so central to this type of topic that we're doing today. And there's so many great characters in this. There's so many things that, you know, you don't forget. It's like there's fun, like, there's fun, like, booby traps. And there's some incredible imagery with, like, with you know maybe maybe when they find some treasure and there's a little bit like a little bit of like almost something scary a little bit but this is really just a heartwarming film it, it sort of makes me feel the same as when i watch a movie like speaking again i always bring up the fucking chris columbus movies because he just does them so well but it reminds me of watching like a home alone but sort of like the adventure treasure version of that in the sense of i get that warm fuzzy feeling inside where I can just sit on the couch, have some good old-fashioned fun, and just forget about the world for a couple hours. So, okay, let's talk Goonies. Because the Goonies, I was going to use this on our next top five movies I hadn't seen episode. Mm-hmm. I've now watched the Goonies. Wow. This seems like the time to do it. So know that I had not seen it until this week. And I, yeah, I did not like this at all. I have to be honest. Whoa. And I'll, I'll just tell you, I'll just tell you right now. It's not that I think it's like a bad film or poorly written or anything like that. There's just so much children screaming and crying and whining. I found it almost unwatchable. I was like, this is my nightmare. I don't want to be near any of this film. Uh, I finished it, but it was like, it was like getting on my nerves. That's my hot take about the Goonies. Okay. Okay. I think it would have been much better if I watched it when I was a kid. That is what I think it is. Because I am going to be honest that I that I have, again, like I said, where it's not like my favorite movie. Like when I think of all the kids adventure movies or like fun, like movies with hijinks in them that I like, it's not my favorite, but I just like those movies in general. So I really yeah. do like this movie. But I will admit that in recent years watching it as an adult, 
I don't think it holds up as well as an adult as certain other fun for the whole family movies. But I'm very glad you have it here. I mean, it is the children's sort of adaptation of this genre that deserves to be here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is an absolute classic, great representation. So, so I'm glad it's here. It, it, it had to be, in my opinion. So I'm, I'm glad that I have it in there. I'm also glad to see... I'm not glad, I should say. I'm not glad to see that you don't like it, but happy that you have a different take. Glad that we got into it a little bit here. It's not like the type of thing that I would say don't watch. Like I can recognize that while it's not for me, it's certainly not a bad film. And especially if you have like kids or something, great one to yes, throw Yes, totally, totally. So if somehow you haven't seen this, if you didn't have a childhood, you know, throw it on. Yeah, get in there, get in there. Another film that you should absolutely throw on um, if you do want to laugh, that works well into adulthood, is my number three. Oh! I am going to 1991, and this movie has two titles. Uh, I will go with the full title. It is Armor of God 2, Operation Condor, billed oh. in the States as just Operation Condor. Oh, my Lord. So Armor of God 2 uh, and Armor of God 1, for what it's worth, these are both films written and directed by Jackie Chan. Okay. Hilarious. Love it. They are Hong Kong films, um, Golden Harvest films. And this one, I mean, the first one is okay, but this one is just superior in every single way. So Jackie Chan is like a sort of Chinese secret agent type guy. Um, And in this one, he is going to, he has to discover some, some Nazi gold. And he, yeah, something about he has to get the gold and like it's the otherwise the bad guys are going to do bad shit with it. It's not all that complicated. But he, what's cool about this is that he kind of like ends up assembling this group of three women that he's with. So one of them is like a sort of museum type that are often in these types of films. One of them is this sort of exotic, like foreign beauty that are often in these types of films. And one of them is sort of like a, they pick her up along the way as someone that belongs to like a small, almost tribe. Um, and none of them are really to- totally famous actresses, but they all team up and they just have this great little crew that they assemble. And all the women have their own personalities. They all contribute in different ways. And it's it's kind of impressive that, that Jackie Chan as a writer was kind of able to do that. Um, and otherwise, it's all the stuff you love about Jackie Chan. You know, it's, it's kind of screwball comedy with martial arts, some of that physical comedy, some of the set pieces are, are really brilliant and it actually impressed me quite a bit. And even at the end, we've got Jackie Chan outtakes. This early, 1991, you still Amazing. get the outtakes that we know and love. And if you, this one is getting, I think it had a good Blu ray release last year. Um, so it's getting a bit of a, a reevaluation, but I don't think many people have seen it. Uh, so absolutely check it out if you're a Jackie Chan fan. Operation Condor. Okay, I'm in. Just wrote it down as well. Going to check this one out. It's very fun. And you know what? I like to think my number three is very fun as well. Also just features one of our absolute fucking favorite underappreciated actors that's finally getting his moment back. He's going to soon. Spawned the episode we did last week, two weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, when we talked about actors that we'd like to see make a comeback. None better than our main man, Brendan Fraser. And my number three, 1999's The Mummy. Are we in official agreement that The Mummy is better than The Mummy Returns? Yes. Okay. 
right. I didn't want to spoil it in case you had it somewhere else. On your list. You agree with that. You agree with that. Absolutely. I did a rewatch of both. The Mummy, the first one, is 100% the definitive. 100%. 100%. And Mummy Returns is fun, but it is not nearly in rewatch as good as the original. Absolutely agree. Wow. Original Mummy, obviously a fucking 90s classic. Brendan Fraser on top of the world. And we got Brendan Fraser. We've got Rachel Weisz, one of her one of her most awesome roles as well. And then, of course, Arnold Vosloo as Emotep, sort of sort of an iconic villain, honestly. Yeah. Anyways, this movie, if you're unfamiliar, Brendan Cripp, Fraser's character, Rick O'Connell, Rachel Weisz, Evelyn Carnahan. It's all have to do with archaeological digs and everything. And a mummy gets awakened. Uh, Emotep, who pretty much just starts fucking destroying shit as he's like searching for a reincarnation of like his like long lost love. Does that sound like a good way to explain the mummy, Mike? Yes. Yeah. It it, it definitely heavily borrows from like an Indiana Jones type of plot, but this is just so much fun. And it's like it, it. Rachel Weiss is really almost like Brendan Fraser's equal in the film. So it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a male and a female. I feel like that are both smart and like adventurous and awesome in this, and like really f- fucking taking on this this story together. Brendan Fraser is just so good in this. Like, there's a reason that he was on top of the world in movies for you know a period of time. He just does the action comedy so well like combining the two even just like comedy in general like he just he has a very good like comedic feel to him but but wouldn't you agree mike like the action comedy he is like his specialty absolutely and he's just he's so he's just so endearing you know but in this one he's a lot less goofy which i think is my preferred brendan fraser same it's like he 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 is a fucking stud but he also has those comedic moments and yeah, man, I mean, this holds up like it's it's so good. I honestly like it sort of makes me sad that you don't hear about it as much these days. I know they tried to sort of reboot it with the Tom Cruise one a handful of years ago, which I have to say, like, I, I uh, I'm a little bit ashamed, actually, that I didn't see it because I'm a big Tom Cruise fan and I'm a big mummy fan. But like, I haven't seen it yet. But even so, it obviously didn't really work, uh, at least in the mainstream. But this movie is so fun. It's a great, great, great adventure flick. It has all the key ingredients of a good treasure hunt adventure styled film. It's about as good as you're going to get in this genre, in my personal opinion. Yeah. And we, you know, I think it was in my honorables for chemistry. Uh, but this is just all about Rachel Weisz and Brendan Fraser for me. Oh. Their 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 little romance as it kind of develops over the film, and frankly, that's where the second one, I don't want to say goes wrong, but it, it, the, what they try to do is just go bigger with everything. And what's great about this one is the the sort of the charm of the romance, not necessarily yes. all the action. The action's great, but like it's all about them falling in love, um, and then they have a variety of of you know. Uh, comedic characters to kind of support um and and big shout out to what's that guy's name oded fair the israeli guy that plays the magi oh my god in fucking resident evil unsung hero of these films he's great dude so great and and you really said it best like their chemistry is so good like they're one of the better adventure film action film like 
duos in terms of sort of a romantic spark. And it's just, yeah, it's so fun watching them. And, and that is exactly where The Mummy Returns goes a little bit wrong in that they really focus on balancing out the characters and the fun and the story in this one, whereas they, they really go more for just going big and, and both plot and characters suffer a little bit in the second one, although it's still a good time, but, but this one just very well-rounded movie. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And, and I think that same element uh, is why I love my number two. So much. Hey, a lot of good segues going to 2004 and I'm going to national treasure. Oh, baby. There he is. Someone had to have it. I, I've i never... I mean, I do understand why the Rotten Tomatoes on this is only 46. I do understand like why critics don't think it's the most amazing film ever. But it's like the most watchable film of all time. It just absolutely fits that like blockbuster, just like throw it on at any time. Uh, and it's going to be just the right amount of fun film. You've got Nicolas Cage, Diane Kruger. I mean, Sean Bean in there is the bad guy. John Voight is the father. I, it's and and it's just such a fun mystery. This is like Da Vinci Code time. You know, it also do with like the Declaration of Independence and all this. Like you know, like not none of it true. Obviously, just like crazy stuff that takes them throughout throughout the U.S. But it's really the chemistry between Diane Kruger and Nicolas Cage. You know, they're like little romances fun. Um, but just like the mummy, both of them, I feel like, you know, really contribute to like solving the mystery. No character ever kind of feels um, sort of secondary in any way. So they just feel like a great team to go on on this adventure. You have the same sort of comedic relief character. I think it is pulling a lot from the mummy in that way. But yeah, this is just like, it just absolutely captures that sort of, you know, cracking the clues, going from location to location, the type of adventure you want from this film. And and this is definitely one of those, like, I could throw it on any time or from passing through and I see that it's on. I'll just have this on at really any time and feel great about it. It's just a it's just a great time. Dude, you know what's funny? I never loved this one growing up. Everyone else in the world did. And I love Nick Cage. I love the other, you know, actors in this. Uh, Sean Bean, great in there as the bad guy. But like, it, you, everything you just said is right. And and uh, in watching it, actually, as an older, per, like being older now, I enjoy it. I think on sort of the level you do, like whenever it's on, like very fun movie to just have on. It's like you can't really fault it for anything. But I feel like when it came out. I, I don't know what it was, but something just fucking pissed me off about it. And I thought that it was just sort of generic. I like sort of thought it was like the red notice of that time. I was just like, I don't know. Like, it's sort of this like a bit more like kid friendly. Yeah. I didn't love the plot, but it's like I realized I was just being an asshole back then. In recent years, I've watched it and been like, OK, I get why everyone loves this movie. It's just fun. And it's harmless. And Nick Cage is fucking Nick Cage. And what's not to like, you know, adventure movie. You get to try to like solve some fun shit. The thing is that like you're that's a totally reasonable take to have. You know what I mean? Like it is like I could see someone thinking this is Red Notice. But now watching Red Notice, like you could see that it just wishes it was this film. 
hundred percent. Yes, yes, yes. Any of the charm that like Nicolas Cage brings, um, even Justin Bartha, you know, he's he's just, like <laughs> his best cut. role where he like he gets his little time to shine. And and of course, I feel like we've now talked about every John Turtletop film except this one <laughs> on the pod. So, <laughs> shout out John Turtletop. I mean, it's Jerry Bruckheimer producing. It just screams 2004 blockbuster. Um, and I just, yeah, I think it's just a lot of fun. I'm glad you have this on there just because I feel like this is such a titan of this genre. And the fact that like I wasn't going to have it, it's just this. It would have been wrong if it wasn't here. So, so you made sure it was. And at number two. Yeah, number two, I'm very excited to get to your number one. But before we do, baby, it's time to talk the rundown. Yes. 2003's The Rundown. I got it as my number two. The Rock, Sean William Scott, Christopher Walken, Rosario Dawson. I mean, just stop there. That's perfect already. Perfect. And then we got a cameo from Arnie. That's right. That's right. Here, you take it away first. Take it away first. And, and directed by Peter Burke. Yeah, and Peter Burke's second film ever. Uh, this is the year before he went to do Friday Night Lights. This is, for me, absolute peak rock. Um, you know, the next Agreed. year he, he did Walking Tall. Two years before he did The Mummy Returns. Um, and then he sort of gets an ego and does different films later on. And we could talk about that. But it's just, I mean, this is just that perfect 2000s action comedy. Just so much fun. We love Sean William Scott. Love. You know, I, I absolutely love Rosario Dawson. Christopher Walken makes a great bad, great bad guy. And obviously The Rock is, you know, playing The Rock still. He doesn't have that much that much range as an actor. No offense. But it's just so much fun. You know, they're just they're down there. It's I forget they're getting a what is it, the Gato del Diablo or something like that. <laughs> yes. Um, but they all have great chemistry. You're really rooting for like the romance between Sean William Scott and Rosario Dawson. I mean, it's, and it's just, uh, I, th- I picked this up off Wikipedia that one of the producers called it Raiders of the Lost Ark meets Romancing the Stone with a little bit of Midnight Run. That that rings true, and all of those are fun films in one way or another. Um, and I'll just throw this in before I pass it back to you. I don't even know what this means, but I also picked this up on Wikipedia. Apparently in September of 2016, Peter Berg said that he wants to make a sequel with The Rock and Jonah Hill. I don't even know what that would mean, but I'll, I'm here for it. <laughs> what? I don't even know. I have no idea. That sounds like the worst idea Why ever. Why not Sean William Scott? Idea. I don't know. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. Mike, you said so many things that I, I just want every, everything you said, I just like agree with there. Every single thing, especially about like The Rock and just the time and place and this being the perfect just, act, you know, 2000s action comedy film. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's it's not part of a big franchise or anything. It's just so perfect for what it is. This is a movie that I wish was on. Not that I wish it was on, but whenever it is on, if it is on TV and I come into this movie, yep. this is a movie I want to watch every yep. single time. It's just so. And again, The Rock. Oh, man, like. He was absolute peak around this time, just getting into acting. And those of us yeah. who liked him from the wrestling world were pumped because like he he was like, again, not like he's the best actor in the world, but he's got that charisma and it's fun to watch him on screen. And he really has a great back and forth with Sean William Scott in here yeah. that feels natural opposed to not that it's forced now. It's more that it's just so typical of his films now that it's like not as fun. And it's like, 
it's so fun in this film. It's new. It's 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 different because, you know, now he always does it with the same couple guys and this he's never done it again with Sean William Scott. God, this movie is fun. It's original. It's got a great cast. It really, I think, was underrated at the time. And I think it's still quite underrated because really, when you think of this genre, there's not that many films. I mean, there's a good handful, but nobody when you say treasure films, treasure hunt films, hidden treasure films. I do not know if anyone is going to immediately yell rundown is number one thing that comes to their mind. I think you're going to get an array of these big franchises and that's fine. But this movie is a gem and they don't, this is a movie we can say, Mike, they don't make them like this anymore. They do not. And, and yeah, and you still get the rock, you know, he, he just, I think he punches like some pillars, like, like down yes, there yes, in Brazil. Yes. But also in the beginning, dude, I love that scene in the beginning where he beats the fuck out of the football players in the club. Yes. It's just a little intro scene. It's great. It's just, yeah, this is just, it's just awesome. I don't know, man. And and also I should just mention for our UK listeners, this is called Welcome to the Jungle over here. It's not Amazing. called The Rundown. Amazing. It's, it's the, it's the prequel to Jumanji. And, and, and again, that where they don't make them like this anymore, they don't because it was an $85 million budget. It's that perfect middle ground of an original script that gets a middle ground to, to, to nice budget instead of like 20 mil or 10 mil for like an indie, or we're going to do a $200 million fucking franchise film. That's a remake or, you know, the third movie in the franchise. But it's like, this is that perfect budget original script cast it's just oh man i miss these films i miss them i miss them that's it uh and we should say the reason they don't make this film anymore is because there's no possible way for this film to make any money like it did it didn't make any money i'm sure they've you know cleared enough the amount of fucking times this thing has been shown on tv but like this is just why they either go extremely big or like no money at all turn into films anymore because this can't make money, and it's a sh- and it's a shame. It, it's a goddamn shame, and we just love Sean William Scott so much. I, you know, I'll just say here, I didn't include Sean William Scott on the comebacks episode because he's not quite there. But the last few years are concerning. They are, and we got to bring him back. Absolutely, that man. That man, and I'll say it. Speaking of your number two, Mike, he's that a man is a treasure. national treasure. <laughs> <laughs> He really, really fucking, and it's always Rosario Dawson. I mean, she is. God damn she it. does such a varied filmography as well. She's down and to down. do whatever. She's great. She is great. And then how do we, how can we forget about Christopher Walken? Great little guy, guy. national great treasure bad guy. Great bad guy. Kind of like a slave driver down there in Brazil, which is actually Hawaii, <laughs> which definitely contributed to that budget. But oh my god. Yeah, and I mean, Pete Berg, to get him at this stage of his career, literally his second film ever, just before he embarks on the Friday Night Lights journey. You know? Yeah, and again, you'll never get this these cast of characters together again. And, nope. you know, nope. you're not getting The Rock to do this with this crew for this budget anymore. This is this is not what he does anymore, and nope. it, this was so lovely. And, and I love your shout with Walking Tall, because that's another great Rock film. Oh, yes. With, with our man Johnny Knoxville. Another, another extremely solid film. Oh, all right. Number two, all the right. rundown. It is time. Number one. Here we go. 
Town, when I tell you about my number one, there's absolutely zero percent chance you've seen it. And <laughs> you you're gonna lose your mind at how much of a mic pick this is. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. As I was watching it, brand new watch for me. It just became less and less of a chance that this was going to be anything but number one. And I was just getting progressively more mad at myself for not having seen it earlier because wow. there, there's this film is everything I've ever wanted in a film. Like it's blown my mind. And that is 1984's The Perils of Gwendolyn in the Land of the Yik Yak. <laughs> what? This film is incredible. So, it is a French film directed by Jules Jacquin, whose first film he made was Emmanuel, like that softcore porn series. <laughs> this is not not softcore porn. Let me say that. Um, it stars Tawny Katane, who, I mean, what's her most famous film? She was in Bachelor Party, that Tom Hanks movie. Oh. I think she, she actually she died earlier this year. Very sad. But oh, also in the sad. Here I Go Again White Snake video, and she was married to David Coverdale <laughs> for what it's worth. So shout out. And the male lead is Brent Huff, who is in like one other amazing action movie called Strike Commando 2, we can talk about later. Amazing. Anyway, this is the setup. Tony Katane plays Gwendolyn. She shows up uh, somewhere on Earth. I don't even know where this thing is set uh, with her friend. And Brent Huff is like the rough around the edges captain um, that you've seen in many other films. Um, and they at first are going to hunt down her father. Uh, that quickly doesn't become the goal anymore and it becomes trying to find a rare butterfly. You don't need to know why. Uh, and then it becomes about finding these diamonds. Uh, but it basically just follows the same script as kind of all these other ones. But my word, this film, I mean, it is it is funny, it's silly, it's it's campy, and then it's kind of romantic, but also like raunchy and incredibly sleazy at the same time. Uh, it has that like, great adventure. Then it has like... It has violence. It has gore in there. Like someone's ears get ripped off mysteriously, like in the first twenty minutes, in a way oh, that you'll shit. never expect. It's it's kind of like a virginal fairy tale as well. I mean, the the main like the male lead, his weapon of choice is a grappling hook that becomes a switchblade. Interesting. Sounds I awesome. Just even, I just don't even know. I I picked up this review off of of Letterbox. Someone wrote it's equal parts African Queen. Ben-Hur, Indiana Jones, and Emmanuel. Uh, action, adventure, romance, comedy, and bondage. I mean, and I, I forgot to mention that this is all based off of like a series of, I guess you'd call them illustrations uh, of bondage from the late 40s, which only a crazy person would ever turn into a movie. Wait, I need to see this. This is outrageous. And this was Zhu Jacan's last film. And I can tell why, because after this, he realized you could never possibly make a better film. And he just <laughs> retired, retired from filmmaking. This is an absolutely bonkers masterpiece. It's his magnum opus. It, it really, it really, really is. I could not tell you how much fun I had watching this film, and it just kept getting better and better and better. It's insane and beautiful, and I loved it. I hear the passion in your voice. I, you know, most people mark time, you know, like AD and BC. Mine is mine is pre-Gwendolyn and post-Gwendolyn. This is a life-changing <laughs> film. I can't even tell you how much this is a great film. I'm going to see it. I'm you seeing it, bro. are going to lose your fucking mind when you see it. It could be the most Mike Bick of all time. It's just incredible. 
I literally cannot wait. I'm going to watch it for our next Patreon catch up episode. Oh, I cannot wait to hear this. You is talk a, about this. this is a fucking fact. If you want to hear this episode eventually, check out our Patreon. Really, what yeah. I want from all of our listeners is to watch Raiders of the Lost Ark and then watch The Perils of Gwendolyn back to back. Know which one I think is a masterpiece and which one I think is trash. And you'll know everything there is to know about me. Wow. Wow. There you have it. Mike's number one. The Perils of Gwendolyn. What's, what's the rest of the title? What's the rest of the title? In the Land of the Yik Yak. In the Land of the Yik Yak. Well, Mike, my dear friend, my number one's also from 1984. And uh, it's a bit of a hot take. It's a bit of a hot take, but okay. also completely expected. One of your favorite franchises of all time. Indiana Jones, but not Raiders of the Lost Ark. It is Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. It's That's only the second worst in the franchise, so I, I allow it. <laughs> oh, my God. You are a madman for thinking that Raiders is the worst and this is the second worst. That's, it goes in order, to be honest. You are an absolute madman. Some people will think I'm a madman for saying this is the best Indiana Jones, and I don't care. This movie is awesome. Where everyone else, I love, by the way, I am a Matt, Mike hates on Raiders. I fucking love Raiders. Amazing, amazing, amazing treasure hunt, adventure, action, whatever you want to call it, film. I watched that shit so many times when I was younger, implanted in my brain. The, the snake pit, I'm, ter- I'm absolutely terrified of snakes. That could be the cause. The, you know, the melting face. The, there's just so many scenes, the, the, the boulder, so many things that are iconic in that movie. But I have to say, I got to come out repping for one of the underdogs. 90% of people will tell you Raiders is the best. Last Crusade is the second best. This is the, the, the worst of the, tr- the real trilogy. And then everyone, you know, maybe not Mike, but pretty much everyone thinks the newer one with, you know, Harrison's back, but also with Shia LaBeouf is the worst one. So by a long shot. And so I'm here to say, fuck that. Temple of Doom's the best Indiana Jones film. It's so fun. I, these movies, obviously, as Mike said, Raiders of the Lost Ark is sort of your North star when you're talking about a treasure hunt movie. It's big. It has a lot to it. Rich story, uh, a lot to do in the you know it just it, it gives you that true feel of this is in a this is a true adventurer this is indiana jones man and temple of doom always left such an impression on me when i was a kid you know and, and by the way so obviously the story for indiana jones george lucas directed by steven spielberg i just got to say it right now what i love about this movie which some people dislike about this movie i absolutely Love, 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 love the kid in this. I love short round. It's, you know, sort of indie sidekick in this movie. He's played by um, Jonathan K. Kwan, which he's he's credited in the movie as K. Hugh Kwan, which is his birth name. But he, I believe, maybe changed it to Jonathan eventually, or he used that for um, American films. Anyways... He has such a personality in this. He bounces off like Indy and his personality so well, in my opinion, and makes this just super fun. And especially as a kid, when I watched these for the first time, it really made this one an extra 
exciting and just good time at the movies. But also there's like a lot of darker moments in this one. I, I will never forget the ripping out of the heart. There's just so many cool like scenes set out sort of in different, different, you know, beautiful settings from the jungle, you know, jungle to I guess it's a lot of jungle. But yeah, I just I really like this one. You, you know, you sort of know what you're going to get with an Indiana Jones film to an extent. But I never understood why this one was rated lower than Raiders or Last Crusade. It's arguably the most fun Indiana Jones film. And it also has almost as many iconic scenes as Raiders of the Lost Ark. So I think it's just a recipe for beauty. And I love this. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I think it's underappreciated. And I personally think Indiana Jones is the quintessential adventure treasure hunt film. So it had to be number one. And Temple of Doom is the one that took the spot. So I admit that the second half of this one, I think is pretty fun. Uh, And I don't actually hate it that much. But man, I'm willing to forgive a lot when it comes to film. My number one film, I remind you, is like a sleazy bondage movie. But God, the first half of this one is so mean. There's just like so many misogynistic and xenophobic jokes. Like it's just like, it's just so uncomfortable. And then it kind of finds its way. But like it's it's already ruined for me by then. Look, they're rewatching it as an adult. There are there is some of that and like that is that is unacceptable. I hope most people can look past it. It's tough for me. I don't know if this is a good thing that I can, but I I think because it had such an impression on me as a kid when I didn't understand any of what was going on, I'm able to look past it. But like I don't think anyone agrees that this is a good thing today in today's age. It's just, unfortunately, this movie is not the only offender for having bad things like this in them back in the day. That's not defending it. That's just saying, I mean, these are movies that are out there. They're not going to be changed. They were made so long ago. And if you can't look past it, then just easy to fucking skip it. But I, I really enjoy this one. And outside of some of that, that negativity surrounding it, I think it's a, a, a very fun film. Yeah. And I, just to be clear, I mean, I, I've looked past it in many, many, many other films. It's this one in particular that I have a hang up on, but it's not like, I'm not here trying to cancel Indiana Jones, you know, it's to, to each their own. All right. Should we uh, recap it? Please. Okay, uh, I am number five, High Road to China. Number four, The Rundown. Number three, Operation Condor. Number two, National Treasure. And number one, The Masterpiece, The Perils of Gwendolyn in the Land of the Yik Yak. God, I can't wait to watch that movie. Um, Okay, my number five, The Lost City of Z. Number four, The Goonies. Number three, The Mummy. Number two, The Rundown, and number one, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Um, well, I, I've only got a couple honorables, to be honest, today. Okay. Um, you know, The Mummy, I wanted to talk about The Mummy movies. We did that. Um, I will say that there is 80s Italian cinema. There's so many different types of ripoffs that they love to work on. Like, there's a lot of Mad Max ripoffs. There's a lot of James Bond ripoffs. And there's a lot of Indiana Jones ripoffs. 
Antonio Margheriti has directed at least three himself. So I think my favorite of those is Hunters of the Golden Cobra. Uh, that is a pretty fun one if you ever want to check it out. I, I did mention before Strike Commando 2, which has several scenes lifted directly from Indiana Jones, but is more of a um, first blood ripoff than anything, I would say. And the last one I'll just say is I've never wanted to check this out because I just assumed it was terrible. But I finally decided this was the week that I would give Librarian Quest for the Spear a try, which I think is like a TV movie for TNT. And it was okay. I have to say it was all right. Like you, you have to forgive some of the TV movie-ness to it. But other than that, like it's, it, it has, it's, you know, it's in the right place. It does the adventure part well. It has the humor thrown in and it's, you know, it's not the greatest thing you'll ever watch, but it definitely fits the kind of throwing it on and having a breezy 90 minutes there's there's a couple more out there a couple of sequels i i may just watch this this was really it was all right okay okay yeah i don't have too many either i'd say my my main one that i almost snuck onto the list because i really really enjoy it is the second pirates of the caribbean film dead man's chest i really really like that movie i actually think it's better than the original i got a thing for second movies i guess in trilogies but yeah, I think it's really good and builds upon what was built with the characters in the first, but with a more compelling story, in my opinion. That is one. Uh, yeah, I also had The Mummy Returns on there. Just obviously, I do like it, even though we talked about why I think The Mummy's better. Raider of the Lost Ark, Last Crusade. And the only other movie I'm going to shout out is actually the updated version, the new uh, Alicia Vic, Vic, Vikander version of Tomb Raider. You know, I watched that this week for the first time as well, and and I have to agree that it's it's most certainly a more competent film than either of the first two Tomb Raiders, but it's also like significantly less badass. So it's kind of for me, it was like I I didn't hate it, but yeah, it's it's complicated. I would say my 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 love affair with the three is complicated. Okay. Yeah. It's like, I want, I want to like the Angelina Jolie ones more. Cause I love like Tomb Raider so much, but this one to me felt more true to what I thought I would get with those movies back in the day. Well, I will say, I think that the next Tomb Raider film will be the best of all of them because like I said, this last one was was definitely a lot more, a lot better structured as a film, mm-hmm. um, but it's a little bit of a prequel kind of, right? So yeah. it's never, it wasn't going to be like full steam ahead, beating the shit out of everybody, but maybe the next one will be kind of that happy medium. Yeah. I liked in this one that there were literally parts, especially towards the end of the movie that straight up felt like you were watching a bit of a video game. True. Um, and, but and no, she I does, agree. She has that bow and arrow. That part is dope. I mean, that dope. could... I think we could be getting there, but I agree. I like where we're headed. And Dominic West, Walton Goggins. We got a nice little cast in it. Nice little cast. You know, we love Walton Goggins. Oh, love that man. Love that man. So yeah, that's the honorables for me. Cool. That's it. That's it. Hey, treasure hunt movies. We hope you go check some of these out. If you want to talk to us about these, give us your own picks. We'd love to hear if we missed out on any key movies. Hit us up on Instagram at top fives and deep dives. Hit us up on Twitter at top dives. If you want to check out exclusive bonus content, we come out with a ton each month. Check out our Patreon page, which you can get linked to from all of our social pages. 
Um, it's either $1 a month or $3 a month, super low commitment and really just could not be more grateful for everyone who has signed up. And if you don't want to spend any money, if you go on Apple podcasts, give us a quick five-star review. It helps us get noticed by other people, random strangers. And that would be equally incredible. And we will be very, very grateful. So thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week. We can't wait. Peace out. Top fives and